It is time for our Big 12 breakdown. Time for John Savage Bridges here with you where they look around the Big 12 conference this week as we uh, want to break down the latest headlines and also heading into this weekend in Big 12 play. And Tom, uh, this past week, the, a couple of the storylines stood up to me. And then I'll ask you what, what your storylines were. Obviously, Texas hanging in there with Alabama. You know, as exciting as that was for Texas, um, we saw a couple of years ago, they went toe-to-toe with LSU. Ended up being like a seven-win team, and LSU won the national championship. We've seen this before. Yes, it was a good performance by Texas. But for God's sakes, this does not mean Texas is back, okay? There's one game. Not saying they aren't, but slow your roll here, folks. So that's one thing for me. Uh, Also, Kansas, great win against West Virginia. That offense is for real. Jalen Daniels, terrific. Kansas making some noise this year. I don't know if they're a bowl team, but they're much improved. And they are going to be uh, a thorn in a lot of teams' side in the Big 12 this year because they're going to make things hard to win. Happy for Matt Campbell. Finally able to beat Iowa. Wasn't pretty, but got it done 10-7. Um, K-State, nice win against Mizzou. Really played well all the way around for them. K-State could be a surprise team to compete for the the Big 12 title. Oklahoma, uh, I didn't like what I saw from Dylan Gabriel. Uh, I'm not sure if Dylan Gabriel is that guy, personally, if if he's going to get the job done for Oklahoma to get to where they need to go. Oklahoma State, slow start. Defense looked much improved from last week. And then Baylor losing to BYU. Road game to a future Big 12 member. Wasn't a bad loss. Baylor could have won that game, sure. But I'm not selling Baylor just yet because they lost a close game to a good BYU team on the road. Um, They still could win the league. You know, it doesn't affect them in – League play, obviously. But if you had Baylor as a playoff team, those chances are slim. But still, as a Big 12 team, they still certainly have a shot. So those are a few of my takeaways from this week in the Big 12. What about you, Tom? What stood out to you? Jones, it would have to be K-State for one. Um, I know Mizzou's a bad team. But the way K-State's been kind of handling it, uh, I like their chances to be one of those teams that that ruins – you know, either Baylor or OU or Oklahoma State um, when they go play. I, I just I believe OU goes and plays in Manhattan. I know Oklahoma State does. I don't know where that Baylor game is. Uh, OU gets uh, K-State and Norman this year. Oh, well, good on them uh, because I am dreading as an OSU fan having OSU go to, to Manhattan because K-State looks like they're not messing around. Um Oklahoma State defense stood out to me. They looked much improved. I don't know how good that Arizona State team is. I think they're, eh, you know, nothing crazy, but it was encouraging after the Central Michigan game. You mentioned Texas. Uh, Quinn Ewers stays in that whole game. I think they beat Alabama. Um, You know, is Texas back? I'm not ready to say it. Quinn Ewers is out for, what, six weeks probably? Um, Texas? be a lot really interested in how they play UTSA this weekend. Uh, 
you know, mindset, I think, is a lot. You lose a close game like that. See how they bounce back. UTSA is not messing around either. They're, I, I fully expect Texas to win that game, but uh, you never know. Um, Matt Campbell, Iowa, Iowa State, that game finally gets over the, the hump. That was maybe one of the uglier games um, in general to, to, to watch uh, this weekend. Again, that game was cheeks. I mean, it was it was bad. I mean, that's that's one that yeah, sure. If you're an Iowa State fan, you don't care if you you could somehow even win by a half point. You're just happy that you won it. Um, but not a game that you would be wanting to watch on TV by any means. Um, Baylor, you mentioned BYU. BYU goes to play Oregon. Could very well topple Oregon at Austin Stadium this weekend. BYU's not messing around. They know what they're about. You go and play Provo late night. That's that's a tough ask for anybody. That Baylor team lost a lot, and uh, you know, going on the road like that this early in the season, I'm not shocked that they lost that game. And I think Baylor will be okay. But I think you're right about the playoff. I think they're likely out of it. Yeah. Um, real quick, uh, before we look at this week's slate, let's go ahead and get to our uh, hot takes. For this week, uh, Tom, uh, your Big 12 hot take for me. I am going to say my, my Big 12 hot take is that, that Dylan Gabriel is not good enough. Um, I, I've seen in two weeks, and, and granted, I'm going hot take here, too much inconsistency. Granted, he's with a new team and everything, new head coach, but this is a system he knows, an offensive coordinator he's familiar with. But Jeff Levy, who he played under at UCF. And I got to tell you, maybe Oklahoma, I'm just too used to seeing them with guys like Caleb Williams, Jalen Ertz, and, you know, uh, the likes of Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. But Dylan Gabriel is not of that class. I, I do not think that he is an elite quarterback. Um, you know, he, he could be good enough for this year to potentially get them to a big 12 title game, but it, it doesn't, he doesn't feel like one of those guys. And maybe I'll eat my words later on in the year, but uh, he feels like he's cheeks to me. Like it doesn't feel like Dylan Gabriel is your typical Oklahoma quarterback. Is that too much of a hot take there? No, I would actually agree with it. I don't, I, I think I'm still giving him a chance, but I don't think it's too, too far fetched to say that still pretty hot, but, there's still a long season to go. I guess my hot take this week would also have to be uh, about the Sooners. And I, I think Nebraska is going to give OU a run for their money in Lincoln. Um, maybe you'd say that's not too hot, but I, I like Nebraska to cover. I do too. 11 points. I mean, that's what Nebraska does, right? It comes within single digits. Um, by the way, Scott Frost, how about that? Get in the bag getting seven and a half million dollars to get out of his job two weeks early that he would not have gotten otherwise had he gotten fired next week. I mean, that takes some skill. I mean, for Scott Frost to still get all that money for them to want to chase him out that bad and still cash in on that paycheck. I mean, more power to him. Good for Scott Frost. <laughs> yeah. They got fortune tellers in Lincoln knowing that they couldn't let him go once Nebraska pulls off the upset against OU this weekend. Jokes aside, but yeah, I mean, hell, I, 
my job wanted to let me go for that much money, then you know, I'd I'd pack up the office for them. They wouldn't even have to walk me out. I'd run. Right. All right. Let's go through the uh, Big Twelve slate of games this week. We mentioned Oklahoma and Nebraska. This game in Lincoln, the first true test for new Oklahoma head coach Brent Venables. Uh, they're making this road trip. It's a rivalry game. We don't see these two teams play very often anymore, though. But it means a lot for these fan bases. Nebraska, not a very good team, but they play hard. They make things interesting. Tom, um, here's how I see this game playing out. OU starts slow. Nebraska hangs in there, and then we see Oklahoma pull away. You know, it's I could see this being a a three or four point game in the fourth quarter and Oklahoma gets it done. You know, they, they close up shop and make this closer than it should be. Talent wise, Oklahoma on talent is two or three touchdowns better than Nebraska, at least I think, but I think they're going to play down their competition lip. They're still figuring themselves out. I think that's how this shapes out. Oklahoma wins this game, you know, anywhere between eight and 10 points. Yep, I can see that. That's about spot on. I'd I'd probably say you know they, with the way that they started slow against Kent State, I I don't think they can start that slow against Nebraska in, in hopes to, to not have that, Nebraska crowd going pretty crazy. And I'm sure enough Sooners will make that trip too. Um, you know, being in Lincoln rivalry game, um, early kick though, and you know I wouldn't be shocked to see. You know, OU start to pull away maybe in the fourth quarter where they kind of maybe not by too many points, but they control the game and you know that they'll win. Uh, I'm thinking between seven and ten points, something like, you know, 28-21, somewhere in that realm. Uh, let's go through the uh, the blowout games we expect. Texas State and uh, Baylor. Baylor favored by uh, 30 here. Uh, Texas State coached by uh, Jake Spavadol, by the way, uh, Tulsa native, uh, son of former Broken Arrow head coach uh, Steve Spavadol. Um, if you're Baylor and you lose a heartbreaker like that, best way to get back on track, beating a Texas State team here. This one should be ugly. Baylor should be just fine here. Yeah, without a doubt. West Virginia taking on Townsend. West Virginia 0-2. You lose a heartbreaker to Pitt. You lose in overtime to KU last week. Um, Townsend's 2-0. I honestly do not know how they stack up with the rest of the FCS. I see FBI gives Townsend about a 4.3% chance of winning. Um, you know what, Neil Brown, if uh, if you want to go ahead and just pack your bags now, you could just go ahead and give this one to Townsend. I mean, it, it, it now, Tom – like I was saying last week that I think Neil Brown's going to get fired. I think now after last week, it's not gone from if, but when he's going to get fired. Yeah. Just with the, with the play calling and bad decision-making. I mean, I, you know, if, if, if they get, if they play this game close, if this game's not a blowout for West Virginia, I don't know if any coach has ever been fired after a win, but Neil Brown to be good potentially become the first if this game's close. Yeah. Uh, Iowa State taking on Ohio. 
that game at one o'clock central time in Ames. Um, Iowa State last week, the offense wasn't pretty. Uh, they got the job done to beat Iowa ten to seven. Week prior, beat Semo forty two to ten. Um, Iowa State, a young team, a lot of young talent here. Uh, this is a good tune-up game before this uh, this Baylor game coming up the uh, week week following here, Tom. Yeah, I think so. And it'll be interesting to see what Iowa State does after winning that just uh, adrenaline field, I'm sure, for at least Matt Campbell, win over Iowa. Were they going to have a rivalry game hangover? or, or the, I, I think those should be fine against a team like Ohio. Tulane and K-State. K-State looked great last week in that win against Mizzou. Now you take on this Tulane team who's 2-0. and And we know Tulane can score points. And they give problems with their spread option offense that they run there. Uh, K-State here, Tom, I think is going to be tested more than people think. This, this game is going to be a shootout. A lot of points here uh, for the Cats. And uh, we're, we're going to find out more about Adrian Martinez here. Martinez looked great last week. And with the way Nebraska's going here, Adrian Martinez is uh, looking pretty nice right now. Yeah, he is. And But, you know, back what you said about Tulane and them giving teams problems, uh, if, if it was me, I'd, I would take Tulane over Mizzou right now. So I think this is going to be a greater test for K-State than even what Mizzou was. Yeah. Um, Tulane gave Oklahoma some trouble last year. Uh, they're enormous. KU taking on Houston. Houston, a uh, nine-point favorite. Houston lost a heartbreaker to uh, Texas Tech on the road last week. KU coming off a big-time win against West Virginia themselves. KU's got the highest-scoring offense in the country right now. Jalen Daniels was called a Heisman contender by Dennis Dodd this week. Houston favored by nine. Tom, uh... As a betting man, and maybe a home or two, maybe a little bit of both, I'm riding the way with the Hawks right now. I don't know if they win, but they can put up points, and they're playing exciting football. Lance Leipold's doing things we haven't seen in Lawrence in a very long time. Dana Holgerson got in his team's way last week. Um, the truth of the matter is, the better coach in this game is not Dana Holgerson. I think it's Lance Leipold. I think KU – can keep it within that nine-point margin here. It's going to be a good game, sneaky good game here. Yeah, I think it will be too. And, and you know, hell, Houston should have, could have, would have lost to UTSA in week one in the Alamo Dome. About did. That game went to three overtimes, I believe. Um, not saying that Houston's a bad team and really, really going to give more credit maybe to UTSA for playing Houston that close, but KU should be able to cover the spread on this. Be very shocked if they didn't, and they might even start the year three and zero. When's the last time that happened? Uh, it has been a while. OSU taking on Arkansas Pine Bluff. Pine Bluff has a point three percent chance to win this game, according to FBI. If you're OSU, through two games, you've been two completely different teams. Um, they were great offensively week one, but their defense was pitiful in the second half. Week two, offense started slow, came along later, didn't play great. Defense played really good. I think if you're Oklahoma State, in a tune-up game here, Tom, 
you're hoping that you can play a well-rounded game that both sides of the ball can put it all together and there's no excuse not to against an opponent like Pine Walker. Yeah, and I think most importantly for Oklahoma State, um, you know, you play this Pine Bluff team, you're almost a 55-point favorite. Uh, very important that OSU comes out of this healthy. You got a bye week after that, and then you go to Waco. Yep, yep, indeed. Uh, Tech taking on NC State. And uh, the Red Raiders coming into this game, heavy underdogs. I know that they got a backup quarterback. But to win like they did last week against Houston, uh, you know, to pull that one off. And now take on this NC State team, which I think is one of the most overrated teams in the country. I really do. Uh, I know that NC State was in the preseason polls in the top 15 for the first time in a long time. But I can tell you this much, NC State is frauds. I'm not saying Tech's going to win, but they're competing. NC State is not that much better than Texas Tech in actuality, Tom. No, not – I mean – you're talking about an NC State team that was a missed field goal away from losing to East Carolina and really should have. Um, East Carolina has always been pretty tough and gritty, but, uh, yeah, I, Tech should cover. They, they should. And they, I would not be shocked if they win this game on the road. It is it the late kick, ESPN2. Uh, I, I would not be shocked if Tech pulls this off, but I, Tech should cover. Texas taking on UTSA. Doesn't this feel like the typical Texas letdown game after the emotional high of the Alabama game? Now you take on a UTSA team that's not bad. You're not a heavy favorite, only 12 and a half at home. And this team is really banged up. Ewers out for a while. Hudson Carr is even banged up a bit. Um, All the way down the line here. I, I think UTSA, you know, we, we talked about earlier that Texas, if you want to prove that you're back, you can't be having these moments where you go from giving everything for Alabama but not being ready to go for the ne very next week. And history tells us, Tom, that UTSA should make this interesting. Not calling it a win, but history says that Texas is due for letdown, letdown here. Yeah, would not be shocked. You're talking about a UTSA team that should have, could have, would have beat Houston. That game was three overtimes. Then this UTSA team pulls it out against Army at Army last week in another overtime game. This UTSA team is gritty. They're battle-tested, and, and I don't think they're going to be – they're not going to be scared against Texas. They ain't scared. I can tell you that right now. All right, so that's your look uh, around the Big 12 slate of games. Harold Kuntz said to join us from ESPN Plus's Big 12 Weekly and Fox 4 in Kansas City in just a few moments from right now. But before we get to that, Tom, uh, real quick, on the uh, Big 12 slash SEC front, the SEC sent a directive to Georgia and Tennessee to postpone their series with Oklahoma Given the given Oklahoma's move to the SEC, now they claim it's because Georgia and Tennessee would not be able to fulfill their obligation of the you know home games that they would get in return that wouldn't be able to complete the contract, and so they've been told 
devoid it. Oklahoma's already found a replacement opponent for Georgia. They've replaced them with SMU. And, Tom, I, I look at this, you know, you could sit here and say, well, you know, they they had to do that because of the, the second matchup. I mean, you don't do that, Tom, if you're in Oklahoma's case, I don't think, if you're staying in the Big 12 to sacrifice your non-conference. Because if you're Oklahoma and you go from SMU to being your best non-conference opponent next year and then playing the Big 12 slate, you're hurting your playoff chances a lot. If you go from, okay, we can't play Georgia, we're going to play SMU, but now instead we're going to play Georgia, LSU, Tennessee, Alabama, yada, 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 whatever, then okay, that makes sense. To me, like, you don't send that directive from the SEC unless the ball is rolling that Oklahoma and Texas are gearing up to playing in that league next year. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's heavy on the foreshadowing vibes, right? Uh, I mean, logistically, what this would tell us is that they are making their way out after this season. Right. And I think, too, you know, you, you talk about bragging rights and all that. If you're these remaining Big 12 teams, you know, the the Oklahoma States, the Texas Techs of the world, I think consider this year your last shot to get your last – you know, chances at beating Texas and Oklahoma and going out with bragging rights for a while. Consider this year, that year, to end the story and write the final chapter. This is it. Like, when Oklahoma State goes into Norman in November, just go ahead and pencil it in right then. If you're an Oklahoma State team, if you're Mike Gundy, whoever, just go, might as well go in ahead of time thinking this is your last chance to beat the Sooners. Right, and, and a lot of people thought that maybe it was last year after that Bedlam win, and what a treat that would have been. But, uh, yeah, there's going to be I, – I think more stuff will come out on this story too. I think maybe more information will get leaked in a certain way that we'll kind of know, especially by November, what the real deal is going to be. But, you know, right now it seems to be that way. Um, and, hell, I might be at that Bedlam game if it's the last one for – the better part of over 10 years. Right. It's going to be longer than that. Well, and one thing, Tom, I don't think it gets talked about enough. You know, you and I, we're excited about these new Big 12 members, right? Cincinnati, BYU, Houston, UCF, potentially some Pac-12 schools down the line, too. I mean, all that's very good. Um, But one of the most embarrassing things, for Oklahoma and Texas, and especially Texas, because it's more likely for them to happen, to lose to one of the Big 12 newcomers. And we just saw last week BYU beat the reigning Big 12 champs. I mean, if, if Oklahoma and Texas stay, I would bet money that one of the two would lose to an incoming Big 12 member, maybe both of them, lose to an incoming Big 12 member. It's going to happen, and I, I, I just don't see Oklahoma or Texas wanting to go through that personally, especially if you're Texas and it's Houston that you lose to. I mean, there, there, there's a lot of ego in those universities. You, they're they're going to avoid that from happening at all costs if that means 
leaving the er league early, I think. Yeah, and, you know, back when this first came out that, you know, that, that the Big 12 could leave, I always thought that they would leave when the new Big 12 members came in because I I thought that BYU, you know, what if, what if OU has to go to Provo next year if they stay? What if, you know, Texas has to go to Houston and play and then they lose? That's It's not worth it. Um, and as much as I'd love to see it happen, I can see it from their perspective that, no, you don't, you don't want to do that. You don't want to go to Skyline, Chile, Cincinnati and lose and then <laughs> walk, you know, and walk into the SEC and say, hey, guys, what's up? We're like, oh, weren't you that team that got beat by the Mormons? Weren't you that team that got ran out of at, in Cincinnati? You know, it's, it's too much. It's too much risk. We're out of Cincinnati, not on to. Yeah. All right. Oh, man. Uh, coming up next, uh, Harold Kuntz is going to join us. Great conversation ahead with him as uh, we'll be talking plenty of Big 12 football. You will not want to miss it. That's coming up on the other side. Joining us now is a very familiar friend, Harold Kuntz, Fox 4 in Kansas City, also the new co-host of the Big 12 Weekly Show, available on ESPN+. And he joins us right now. Harold, good to have you back. What's going on, my friend? Glad oh, do, you're going well. Do, yeah, doing well, Tyler, man. Thanks for having me again. Of course. Uh, Harold, uh, you get a lot on your plate these days, I see. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. The full gamut, too, because I, I, I teach in college along with the Big 12 show. So I keep up with college. And then, of course, we do high school football on Friday nights, a show for Fox 4, along with duties of covering the cheese for Fox 4. So. A lot on the plate, but, you know, they say this is the busy time of year, so we get it done. But I fix, I fill in some off days every now and again just to make sure I can keep my sanity, really. Love it. That's great. Uh, Harold, I want to start uh, on the Big 12 side of things. Uh, and uh, tell us about this uh, show you got going on uh, on ESPN Plus here. Where can people find it and everything? Yeah, so it's on ESPN Plus, Big 12 now on ESPN Plus, 7 o'clock on Wednesdays. And it's the Big 12 weekly show presented by Old Trapper. Old Trapper, of course, is beef jerky. And we basically recap the week that was in the Big 12 and preview what's coming up in the Big 12. We'll have interviews from uh, some student athletes. We'll have some uh, press segments called What's Your Beef, where we bring in some well-known names like Jimmy Carlson, Joseph Duarte, Max Olson, and Blair Kirkhoff uh, to get talk shop really with the Big 12 and what's coming in the, in the future of the league and the future of each week in the Big 12 season. It's really fun. You know, it's our third episode. We're getting it kind of off the foot, getting our groundwork going, but we've got the backing of the conference, so that's one really cool thing. It kind of was – it just popped into uh, – I got a call one day randomly. I was actually in Vegas for a convention, and I just got a call randomly and said, hey, you want to do this work for the ESPN Plus? And I was like, okay, sure. May I ask how you found out about me? <laughs> but, no, it, it's good because, you know, I've been in Big 12 country essentially the last 10 years, and right. – I'm one of the few people I can say I've been to mostly every Big 12 campus. Uh, of course, when the new ones enter, uh, I'll have to revisit that uh, lineup there because I've been to Orlando, but not UCF. I've been to Cincinnati, but not University of Cincinnati. And, but I have been to the University of Houston, at least. So I'll have to revisit that. But, yeah, it's it's good, you know, talking about a conference that I've grown to love over the last 10 years. And, and it's good to now be on a platform like ESPN Plus personally for myself that I can uh, beyond so people can see me and my parents don't have to like ask how to pull up the episodes on fox4kc.com instead now it's like oh yeah ESPN plus we got that so that makes it easier nice uh just 
as long as they can figure out the Roku, then uh, <laughs> that takes time with the old folks. But <laughs> believe me, uh, I was there uh, when I did an ES gig for ESP Plus, uh, you know, a couple months ago, and trying to walk people through that. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Uh, Harold, uh, let's start out on that uh, that Big Twelve front. Uh, this league, a, a couple weeks in, what are your takeaways from the start of a uh, football season here so far in the Big Twelve? Very successful so far. I mean, just look at the results. Iowa State defeats uh, Big Ten's Iowa. You have Oklahoma State defeating Pac-12's Arizona State. You have Cal uh, TCU defeating Colorado. Texas keeps it very close with Alabama. And really, you could argue could have won that game. And then Kansas State defeats the SEC's Mizzou. So, so far, great results. Right now, the winning percentage is number one out of a, uh, facing autonomous five conferences. Right now, you've got a, the first-ranked strength of schedule. And right now, they've had the most wins against uh, un they're undefeated against unranked teams right now. So things are going very well for the Big 12. It's not a down year by any stretch of the imagination, which means it's going to be a very competitive Big 12. I mean, you look at a team like Baylor who lost on the road at BYU. BYU is notoriously really good during the beginning of the season and had a really hostile atmosphere in Baylor. If they don't have 14 penalties for 117 yards, they probably come out of there with a win. So and that's a tough place to play in, in Provo. Oklahoma looks their normal selves with the exception of maybe that first quarter against Kent State. Uh, obviously, Oklahoma State's looking like they're progressing. Kansas State looks good. I mean, the whole league really looks good. I mean, Texas Tech and Kansas, both teams that are predicted to be ninth and tenth in the league, they've really stepped up. And Kansas looks completely different. And Texas Tech with a backup quarterback and Donovan Woods, he's looked impressive. So, so far, the returns for the Big 12 have been pretty excellent. Yeah, I think so. Let's start with Texas. Uh, competed toe-to-toe -to -toe with Alabama there. You could argue they should have won that game. And Quinn Ewers, of course, goes down in that first half. He was looking really good up until the point he got hurt here. Uh, Texas, you know, you didn't get the win, but I'm sure that team, even with the injuries and everything that unfolded, has some positive momentum here, something to, to build off that uh, performance against Alabama here. Absolutely. Their offensive line was kind of a question mark. They had a lot of five-star kids on that offensive line, but they really protected pretty well throughout the duration and held up throughout the duration of that game. The defense had a lot of question marks too, especially in the secondary, but you know, those guys really produced. I mean, if the corner blitz comes to a sack, we're looking at a situation where Alabama doesn't win that game. And then it, it's really indicative of what Steve Sarkeesian's brought into the table. He's brought that SEC mindset to Texas, which they're going to need going forward into the SEC. And that signals to their players they can compete. And you mentioned Quinn Ewers. He was on fire. I believe he was like 8 of 13 before the injury happened. So it, it was it was a great effort from Texas. Of course, they're not going to take any moral victories out of that. And they've got a, a pretty decent test this week in UTSA in terms of a get-right game because UTSA won – a conference last year so and they've got a veteran quarterback they'll come and motivate it coming in from san antonio making the short trip to austin so plenty motivated utsa but i think texas now knows hey we're on to something i think we're good they're going to try to avoid a letdown but it was nothing but positives you can take away from texas but steve sarkeesian in his press conference did mention something that his former boss said which is rat poison you might have heard his former boss say that a couple times and he's hoping to avoid the rat poison saturday in austin against utsa yeah, and uh, yours uh, looks like he's going to be out for a while, but whenever yeah. he does return, Harold, uh, the way that he played against Alabama, uh, I mean, the way he stepped up, Texas, they have themselves a pretty dang good young quarterback here. I I'm intrigued to see what he does when he comes back here. 
Yeah, he was good. He was really good. I mean, he was firing some darts there uh, early on. You could tell a lot of it was just they had this game plan in for a while. Let's be frank. Texas didn't really prepare much for Louisiana Monroe. They spent most of the offseason preparing for Alabama. And there was some inside knowledge there at Steve Sarkeesian. The question was, could Quinn Ewers be the guy that everybody thought he would be coming out of high school and, you know, having that one year at Ohio State where he just sat, basically. Uh, he had a couple throws, but he sat, really. Essentially, he did a play. So there was a big question mark there, and he was on fire. He really was. I mean, he was throwing darts. He was throwing real well. He was finding an open man. Uh, he, he didn't have to read through his progression as much because the guys were open when he was there. He's got great talent on the outside, especially with Deshaun Robinson in the backfield. So he's got a lot of work with. Uh, unfortunately, four to six weeks, we'll see what happens. If he's back in time, maybe for the Oklahoma game down in Dallas, that could be a potential uh, thing to look out for. But they've got Hudson Card in hands and he did a good job he'll be a game manager and then they have a backup from austin high uh, third string he might be ready because hudson Carr's kind of banged up a little bit with an ankle i mean that's one thing about playing alabama you might come out on top but you're going to be pretty banged up and texas got some nursing injuries there but i think hudson card if he game manages the game well gets through this early slate that they've got especially in the big 12 they might be able to hang on before they get quinn back for the oklahoma game if that's what it's looking like yeah, uh, speaking of the Sooners, uh, slow start against Kent State, but they end up uh, finishing strong there. Nice performance uh, against UTEP. And going into this week against Nebraska, I know Nebraska's one and two, and they fired Scott Frost, but a rivalry game, we don't know when these two teams are going to play again. Nebraska has been known to play teams close. Harold, I'd be shocked if Oklahoma's not tested on Saturday, at least on the road here. They should be just because that's what Nebraska does, as you alluded to. They just play close games. I mean, that's what the Scott Frost tenure was, and I expect nothing different, especially since they're going to Lincoln. It's going to be a great atmosphere. You know it'll be packed as they always are at Memorial Stadium, but this is just a different look Nebraska team. You don't know the motivation they have after a new coach. Maybe they're fired up and ready to play for them. Maybe not. Um, it's it's a different week. It's a different person you know that's leading the meetings it's a different person that's um you know leading them out into the field a different motivator if you will for them does he have a better motivation tactic sure maybe not who knows what mickey's capable of doing in nebraska but we know this oklahoma has some things to work out because they've had a couple quarters let's take the second quarter against utep and let's take really the first two quarters or really the first 27 minutes of that kent state game where they looked absolutely putrid they know they're capable of doing things and making quick strike plays, but they're still kind of gelling with under Brent Venables and that new staff they have in. So you see what Jeff Levy wants to do on the offensive side with the offense and Dylan Gabriel. You see it come to fruition. You see Marvin Mims. You see how outstanding he can be. You see Theo Weiss and how outstanding he can be, but they just do it in doses. You have to get a sustained effort. I look for Oklahoma to keep that sustained effort in Nebraska and win this one by a couple scores. But again, it's just going to be tough because they are facing, you know, power five level talent that, that Nebraska does have. But that Nebraska's offensive line and defensive lines have, have been, honestly, they've been awful this year. They're, they're not Nebraska-like at all. Uh, it's bad. They got dominated up front by Northwestern. They got dominated up front by Georgia Southern, who's really in a rebuild mode. They're not even supposed to be a good Sunbelt team under Clay Helton. So, it's going to be a fascinating game to watch for a little bit, but I do expect Oklahoma to run away with this one. Dylan Gabriel uh, coming in at quarterback. I, 
I've seen some good. I've seen some bad from Dylan Gabriel. What do you think of uh, Dylan Gabriel, this uh, Oklahoma offense at this point, Harold? It's just a consistency. I mean, as, as, as I said, the first half against Kent State, that wasn't good. I mean, and, and no offense to what Brett Vittable said about, well, Kent State has a good defensive front. Quite frankly, Oklahoma should have a good enough offensive line to give them right. time to create. So, again, using those weapons like Marvin Mims, the Oise, uh, a, a good backfield that is, uh, you know, King's doing well back there in the backfield, the running ball. But it's it's one of those things where they've got to just show it consistently. I mean, the second half is what they can be. You do got to do more of that. The first quarter against UTEP is a lot of what they can be. You got to show more of that. You, you can't run into Nebraska and then, you know, the following week when they play Kansas State, you cannot afford to do that against teams that, We'll, we'll catch up on you. They have talent that, you know, is prepped better, coached better, and, and, and really can take you to town. Yeah. Uh, Harold, I was at the Oklahoma State game on Saturday and watched the, the game against Central Michigan. I feel like I saw two completely different teams in those two games. First game, offense is incredible. Defense left a lot to be desired, especially that second half against Central Michigan. Then last week, defense plays really good. Uh, and the offense was just peaks and valleys, slow start. I guess they, they kind of finished strong there, but this Oklahoma State team, you know, we, we talked about consistency with OU. I don't know what is going to show up uh, week to week, and part of that starts with Spencer Sanders too. Yeah, I mean, part of Spencer Sanders' battle has been consistency. He came into the previous season, I think 20 touchdowns, 12 interceptions uh, around that mark, and and now it's just about consistency, holding on to the ball, not turning it over. So far, so good. He did have the one interception against Arizona State, but they got to hold on to the ball. And if they hold on to the ball, then the offense can operate. He's a senior now. I mean, he's been in the, he's been in the game for a bit. He's got the experience. He's played in the Big 12 games. Now it's just go out there and do it. And really, it's been nice to see that Spencer Sanders has really, A, hold on to the ball, but the offense has exploded the way it has. You mentioned that first half against Central Michigan. That team was on absolute fire. And then you see the second half against Arizona, they were on fire. Of course, they're going to be on fire this weekend against uh, University of Arkansas Pine Bluff because that's, I mean, that that's almost got shades of the Savannah State game from almost a decade ago when it was 82 nothing written all over it. But right, uh, it, 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 it's all on him. And I mean, the defense is still kind of learning each other. It's it's new parts. You know, this is not the defense that had Jim Knowles who went to Ohio State. It's not the defense that had the talent like Malcolm Rodriguez or Rodrigo if you watch Hard Knocks now. Um, it's, it's a lot different now. So, but they've got guys they've got, I mean, Mike Gundy said that he's as Brendan Ewers and, and Brock Martin. These are guys from Bixby and Uluga, Oklahoma. These are home. These are, these are country guys. And I love what Mike Gundy said about the guys feel like they've been in a league. They've been around the league for 10 years and go smoke a cig and come back in the game and just play. That's just how tough they are, you know, kind of to rub some salt on it, if you will. I mean, that's going to have to be, they have to be a scrappy defense. They're going to fight for what they get. They get some turnovers against Arizona State, which is a good thing, but they're going to have to fight for what they get. And I think that's Oklahoma State. Just, that's going to be their MO, scrap. And if they continue to scrap, they're going to be a really good team. But they're going to have to scrap and bring their A game really the whole time. They have to show consistency as well. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. Harold Coots joining us uh, this week as we're talking about the uh, Big 12 Conference. And a couple more things here, Harold, before we uh, move on here. I want to ask you uh, about my Kansas Jayhawks off to a 2-0 start. Big road win against West Virginia. Looked really good against Tennessee Tech. Uh, Lance Leipold and company with the nation's number one scoring offense right now. 
Is all of this sustainable? Is this Kansas team legit? Interesting test this week against Houston here. I mean, what do you think the ceiling is for, for KU right now? 55 and a half points, I believe, they're averaging. They're not going to average that the entire season. Let's calm down there. That's not going to happen with the Jayhawks. But you do have to get excited about Jalen Daniels, the way he's playing so far and the way the offense is designed. It's going to be run first. I mean, they pile up 297 yards of offense against Tennessee Tech in the first game, albeit it is Tech. And they really don't have much drop-off against West Virginia. They compile 200 yards of offense. They're going to hit you with Daniel Highshaw. They're going to hit you with Devin Neal. They're going to have a little bit of Savion Morrison. And then Jalen Daniels himself is kind of a run-pass threat option, too. They look, they made West Virginia look confused. They had a muff punt that kind of changed that game in there in Morgantown. But to go on the road and show some resolve in a place that really is one of the toughest places to play just because you're so far away from the rest of the conference and you're not going to have any visiting fans there but maybe, you know, 100, 200 people. It's a lot different, and they showed a different mentality. Lance Leipold said after the Tennessee Tech game, this team was already preparing for the West Virginia game almost in the second half. And watching Kobe Bryant, I mean, Kobe Bryant wanted to return that interception for a touchdown, even though the smart players get down. I think they want to make a message known. Now, they have an opportunity to make an even bigger message at Houston, a Houston team that feels like they bit one in the dust against Texas Tech. They absolutely had no business losing that game. They gave up a fourth and 20. They had a blocked return for a touchdown that was returned back because of penalty, because of roughing. They had a lot of things go wrong in that game, and that's why they lost in overtime. So Houston's going to be motivated to get back. Kansas is going to be motivated. They have confidence, which is something that Kansas team hasn't had. And they just got better coaching. I mean, look at the last five coaches that KU's had with the Turner Gills and the Charlie Weiss's and Les Miles. All five of those coaches they had beforehand combined for zero wins on the road. Lance Leipold already has two Big 12 wins. So they have the confidence there. They brought in people from winning programs, even if it's like a Miami of Ohio or a Buffalo or Ohio State. They brought in some guys that like winning, and they, that's permeated through that room. So they've got guys in there that are used to winning now. And I would expect Kansas to win some more. Now, bowl game, who knows? But they're going to compete every game until maybe the lights turn out or injuries come out or they just get fatigued over the course of a season. But they're competing right now, and that's really – the biggest thing that you can take out of Kansas this football season so far is that they are competing and they're playing as good as they possibly can. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Daniels has been terrific in the way that this team's played. Uh, hopefully they can keep things up there for, uh, for a while. I'm certainly excited to see that. Um, a couple other Big 12 teams I want to ask you about. K-State, Baylor. You mentioned K-State. Really impressive win against Mizzou. Baylor falls to a good BYU team on the road. Which team do you like better right now? Uh, do, do you like K-State, their trajectory going forward, or do you think, or do you like Baylor better, like them to bounce back after that BYU loss? I, I mean, I like both. I know that's not the the, 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 hard, the easy way to answer, if you will, but I do like both. I am particularly impressed with Kansas State. I expected Missouri to keep that game a lot closer, and the Kansas State threw them out of the park in Manhattan, quite frankly. They had EY Drinkwitz and Mizzou's club just confused. Uh, they gave up the early field goal, and after that, that game was essentially over. They ran through them. Adrian Martinez, though, needs to improve. That's where I have my biggest doubts about Kansas State because right now he was, he was 9 for 20 uh, with less than 100 yards passing against Missouri. You can't do that when you get stiffer competition. Now, again, they might be able to get do the same thing again against Tulane this weekend, but they can't do that. Baylor still impresses me, though. Uh, again, that was a tough place at BYU. BYU is notorious for starting the season, uh, and then that kind of that hard schedule they schedule for themselves kind of falls apart toward the end. 
Um, I, I mean, for instance, they're playing at Oregon. I know Oregon was crushed by Georgia, but still playing in Autzen Stadium, different, different, completely different animal. And BYU's got to play there. But it's going to be very fascinating to watch Baylor go forward and how much confidence they have in Blake Shapin. And penalties were one thing, but there were some times there where you think, oh, they should have thrown the ball, and they wanted to carry the ball. They still carried the ball 52 times in that game, which tells you how much they had real confidence in Shapin on the road. And then even – uh, their head coach, Dave Aranda, says that, yes, an act, a road atmosphere, he saw the eyes get a little wider there. So they were a little intimidated by Provo. And they're going to have to get used to that because they play road games all this year. So they're, they're gonna have something, that's something they have to get used to. So I think I'm impressed by both teams in terms of the pieces they have. But I'm still impressed by Baylor just because of the overall talent they have and the fact that Kansas State needs Adrian Martinez to really step up. Yeah, yeah, I think you're, you're absolutely right about that. Uh... Harold, uh, at this point, two weeks in, still very early, obviously. Who do you think is the the team to beat? Who is the best team in the Big 12 as of right now? Well, I'm still going to stick with my preseason prediction. I went with Oklahoma. I know that seems like the obvious picks for a lot, even though Baylor was the preseason number one pick. But I still think Oklahoma's got the goods when they piece it together. They've still got talent oozing across that board. I mean, Dylan Gabriel with Jeff Levy, it worked really well in UCF, and now he's got better talent across the board with them. So Levy's offense works. It worked in the SEC. I see no reason why it can't work in the Big 12 or this version of the Big 12. And then when they get Ted Roof and Brett Venable's hands on that defense, they're going to get better as the season progresses. So I still think Oklahoma's got the upper hand. It's unfortunate they won't have the uh, stellar non-conference game or marquee non-conference game that they thought they'd have when they scheduled Nebraska eight, nine years ago. But it's one of those situations where they still, I still feel like they just got the talent uh, to do it. And I think the Big 12 champion is going to have a loss for sure. It's too deep of a conference to have a loss. I mean, there's 10 teams in that league. It's going to look mediocre at the end, but there's 10 teams in that league that really compete and get after it. I mean, we look at West Virginia, they're 0 2, um, but you could argue they should have had Pittsburgh beat and they should have had Kansas beat. So, and they'll get on the board this week, I'm sure, against Townsend. So, it's a very competitive conference, but I still think Oklahoma just has the talent and the depth to kind of get through it. Harold, you're a real one, my friend. Uh, always a pleasure chatting with you. Check out the uh, the Big 12 show on ESPN+. Plus. If you're in Kansas City, watch him on Fox 4. And uh, maybe go take a class from him at Avila University while you're at it, too. You know, why, why, why not? Uh, Harold, thanks for the time, man. We'll, we'll talk again down the line. Appreciate you joining us, man. Always a pleasure, Tyler. Thanks.